0: Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I wanna welcome you to the Reach Church Podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, well, this morning I wanna to talk to you on faith doesn't play fair. I also think life doesn't play fair. Uh, yes, yeah, very true. Um, you know, I, I grew up and, um, and, you know, life didn't always play everything fair for me. Um uh my dad left when I was one. My mom got radically saved and and to my dad that was like, Whoa, you were a partier, what's happened? I don't want any of this. My mom remarried at five, uh, when I was five years old, not when she was five, excuse me, I was five. <laughs> yeah, where are y'all from? And uh <laughs> joking. I've done this twice, so hold on a second. And so um I was five years old when she remarried, and they went into full-time ministry, and so we drove in a van and we would travel from Florida to California, and they couldn't figure out why I couldn't just be quiet. <laughs> Driving from Florida to California, like that's just, you know, so they didn't have DVD players back then, I had a Walkman, half of you don't even know what a Walkman is, it's awesome, it's where you put a tape cassette, you don't even know that either, and so you rewind your favorite song over and over again until the, the ribbon on the tape doesn't work anymore, um, and it's okay, but so my parents decided, man, she's just so hyper, we're going to have to take her off of sugar, because I mean, what child, you know, most, most children could sit in a van and be quiet for 30 hours, right? So they took me off of sugar, which makes life not fair. Nowadays, you could say it's not that big a deal. Well, they didn't have the options back then. I'm 44. So that was a long time ago. And they didn't have a lot of options. They had one candy that was sugar-free and one cookie that was sugar-free, and they both taste like dirt. And uh, so my brother thought it was funny when we would go to Baskin-Robbins because 31 flavors to choose from, and he'd be like, haha, you have two, sugar-free vanilla and sugar-free chocolate. So then I would punch him, and then I'd get in trouble. No, I'm joking, but I was bigger than him. And so, um, well, because I was big bone. That was another thing. Life didn't play fair. So my mom started having kids, and they could eat like linebackers and not gain anything. And I would look at food, and I would gain weight. And so I decided this is what it is. I need to eat a lot of fat-free food. So I worked at Old Navy, and I thought this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to Quick Trip. If you all have never been to a Quick Trip, your life has not been changed yet. I will stop anywhere for a Quick Trip. You can talk about Bucky's all you want, but I'm telling you what, I am praying for a Quick Trip to come to Northwest Arkansas. Okay. So on my shift to go eat, I thought, okay, I need to eat fat-free because i got to lose weight. So I would get two bagels, blueberry bagels, and because uh, those are super low in fat. And I would only use one thing of cream cheese. I would get a 32-ounce blue slushie, that's fat-free, and a bag of candy corn, and that was fat-free. Couldn't I, know, everybody, it's okay. He it could not figure out when I, I, I was, I wasn't losing any weight, I was doing the ab roller, nothing was happening. Just a line on my floor. I'd cry out to the Lord and just be like, this isn't fair, God. Why? I mean, I'm I'm like, I'm like barely eating. I mean, two bagels. That's like, what is that? You know, now that I understand <laughs> calories and macros, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm surprised that I even live. Is- I'm living because <laughs> I did this for like two years. I'm not even kidding. I would be like, I'm starving. I'm going to go get a slushie because <laughs> then I won't eat anything. So it's fine. So that's the blue river. Kat put that up there as the blue Slushy. So she got real creative with that because it's like a known thing in my household. So am I going to get spiritual this morning? Yes. But I had to just give you an understanding that life sometimes doesn't play, play fair, but neither does faith. And I think we live our life thinking and watching what happens with other people. And we think, oh, this is how it should play out, but it just doesn't. So I'm going to have you open your Bibles to Daniel 3. And I'm going to start in verse 12, and I have a lot to read, so buckle up. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought, so they were brought So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, It is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, he's like giving them a chance, like in case you missed it, here are all the different instruments you would have been hearing, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. Be careful what you follow that's well and good, but not God. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, without having a moment to go and pray and fast and do whatever they needed to do, answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Some of you need to start telling the devil, I have no need to answer you right now with what you keep sending my way. Some of you are negotiating with the enemy and you just need to shut your mouth. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Father God, I thank you this morning that you are in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you begin to move. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you speak in this room. God, I thank you that my words are like the pen of a ready writer. I thank you that only your your words come forth, not mine. And God, I thank you that Jesus is made more famous today than he was yesterday. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. I know most of you in this room know this story. But I I want us to look at this story from a different place because I think we're looking for faith to play fair and it's not going to. And I remember when we were on our journey for five years believing for a baby... I was about in year, two, two and a half years in believing for a baby, and I had shared that we had conceived a child, but I had lost that baby a couple weeks after my father had died. My dad died on November 13th. On Thanksgiving Day, I found out I was pregnant. Oh, what joy come in the family. I mean, here is... Here is a redeeming moment, all this stuff, you know, from death to life. You know, you can just, you, you know, I'm a pastor, so I could spin anything. You know, anything's a story, you know, or a sermon, you know, and it's like, oh, this is going to be awesome. And then a Tuesday night while my husband was here in this building preaching to our youth kids, I was at home miscarrying our baby. And I remember thinking life is not fair right now. Like how, how much can one person take in one month? Now, I will never remember, it's a core memory for me, what Jesus did for me in that bathroom and the experience that I had in his presence that was like none other. And so it's one of those things that sometimes we experience in him in the darkest moments are some of our best memories of him because it's when he held us. Sometimes we're always looking to be rescued and sometimes he wants to come in and hold you. And when, when I was sharing that testimony, a lady came up to me after service and she said, man, we've been through two or three miscarriages miscarriages and I didn't even want to try again and when you spoke I had faith rise up in me I said that's awesome a month later she comes to me she's pregnant and I remember standing there and I honestly church I'm trying to be happy for I'm like you heard my testimony and you got pregnant this is awesome Jesus I mean look at you just turning this thing into a miracle you know and I remember struggling because I was like faith doesn't play fair Because from my testimony, and and I watched her carry this baby, and it was beautiful. I did not get pregnant for almost two and a half years after that. And I think a lot of times we are serving God based on if he does. And what I love about this story is they said, but even if he doesn't, I want you to know this. I don't know how many Christians are out there that will still talk like that. Because I feel like we have, well, when he does this, I'm going to do this. When this happens, I'm going to feel like this. When I finally get this, I'm going to be happy. When this happens, I'm going to be real excited. That's what we're at. And God's saying, but can you serve me in the what if he doesn't moments? Because I remember when I talked on Job, Job had a bunch of friends come and say, oh, man, I can't believe that this time, you know, God could have come. Yeah, he could have but it doesn't matter that he hasn't, I'm not going to stop what I believe. I'm not going to relent to what I know. You know, I I have had conversations with the enemy. I don't know if you do this, but I think sometimes he needs to know where you stand. When my dad died of cancer, I remember having a conversation with the enemy. I said, if you think for any moment that you taking my father... And cancer eating him alive is going to keep me from believing for healing. You have another thing coming. If you think this is even going to stop me in the least, you've got another thing coming. Because I have an understanding of where he is. Did it mean I didn't grieve? That's not what I'm saying. I led worship the next morning weeping. But it was a beautiful moment. Because I knew we were worshiping together. See, it's just how you look at the kingdom perspective. What what is it that you know? And, and what's so interesting about this particular half part of the story is a lot of stories you'll see. Queen Esther, she knew something was supposed to happen, so she went and fasted for three days. And you see all these different things, and they, and they get prepared. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had no moment to go and pray before they went before the king. They had no moment to go, We're gonna, you're going to give us a day to make our decision? No, they had to base their decision on what they already knew. And that's this, what you hear is more important than what you see. Brian preached on this a couple weeks ago, and why am I saying that? Because we, are, we want to live our faith walk by sight, and the word of God is so clear that it is, not, it is not its substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, that will not be seen, and yet we want to see it. We want certainty. That's the opposite of faith. I want to be certain if I step out in faith and believe this, is this what's going to happen? A, B, C, and I don't want to do it this way in case God's going to do it this way, and we don't get that call. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, there was no moment for that. Okay, so let's take a natural view of this. I remember peeing on a stick and a color appeared, and that meant I was pregnant. It's weird, but it's fine. It's what we do. And then I ran out of the bathroom, didn't even rinse. I I, I think pee went everywhere in our living room because, I I mean, you've been waiting five years. You do not care because Brian's like, oh, this was kind of what I was like, my bad. (laughs) I just came running out of the bathroom, so I was real excited. And, uh, and so I was like, you got a sting? No, I'm just joking. So, you know, they, you know jellyfish sting. Okay, cool. You'll get it later. And so I was, I was so excited, but I remembered there was this waiting period because there's this thing called an ultrasound. And I remember going into that place, and I had this expectancy that something was there. But then they hooked me up to this monitor, and here's the thing. You just see a blob. It's not like a perfectly formed baby, and you're like, oh, it's there. I'll tell you what shifted everything to me was the... That's when the emotions happen. It's what I heard, not what I saw. When I heard that heartbeat, and see, God does things so intricately for us to have an understanding of spiritual things. He's created certain things about us naturally that we can connect to the spiritual, but we miss it. We miss these. He's in the details. He's in everything, but we miss it. So when I heard that sound. And what am I telling you? Some of you just keep staring at the blob of your problem of what's happening to you. You need to get away and go hear the sound of heaven and what it's saying to you. Because it's in that moment that you can face what you're facing. See, I believe that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even with all the noise, knew what they had heard and they weren't going to bow. And that's why when they came before the king, there was no hesitation on their lips. See, we're waiting till we get to the trial, and then we want to muster up enough strength. Years and years and years and years ago, when, when Tina was 18 years old, my sister who plays the bass here, and she works as our church administrator, she was dying. We did not know she was dying because me and her, I was making a joke on the way to the hospital that we should stop at Starbucks. I felt really bad afterwards. <laughs> but she was laughing, so I was like, you are Right? We get to the hospital, doctor comes out, he got a shield on. You know, listen, I've seen enough ER, I knew this is not good, he's got a shield on. He pulls that sucker down, he goes, you brought a very sick, like the way he even started it, I thought, my whole, I actually started shaking, because I guess I went into shock. We did not have enough time in that moment to muster up faith that we didn't already have. Because he said, she's got a 10% chance to live through the night. That's not a lot. And she said, every one of her organs have started cooking. And everything is shutting down. Nothing is working right now. We're, we, we are breathing for her. And we have packed her body with ice because it shot up to 107 degrees. And we already lost somebody that had this same thing downstairs in the ER. I'm like, you didn't need to tell me all that. But that's what doctors do. And it's fine. I didn't rebuke him. I just have a nice night. And then we started praying. And I had to grab a hold of the scripture in Isaiah that said that healing will appear quickly. Seven days later, she walked out of their whole and healed. But let me tell you something. I had heard people getting healed like that, and that wasn't happening. The next morning, we got a phone call. Hey, they're having to take her up. They think she had a heart attack during all of that last night. So we would get good news and then get bad news. Why? Because faith doesn't play fair. There was a journey we had to walk out. There was a journey that we had to walk out. And before they sedated her, I looked at her and I said, where do you want me to come in agreement with your faith? She said that I walk out of here with nothing wrong, not having any clue what was really wrong with her body, and I came into agreement with that. When I look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I understand that they have spent time with the Lord every day, so they had already heard his voice, so they already knew. But even if he doesn't show up, nothing is stopping us. We have lost the art of quiet times in the morning. We have lost the art of understanding what it means to be in the presence of God and hear his voice before anybody else speaks to you. Because when other people speak to us, doubt and frustration, things can start to come. You don't know what you're gonna to walk to and work, you don't know what's gonna happen. I'm not a morning person, so I no one needs to speak to me but Jesus first, so that I can respond correctly. And and yes, yeah, see, there's so many people that are like that, but y'all just we need to come together. It just is what it is. And then everybody wants to go to bed early, and I'm like, woo! And I'm just sitting in my house by myself. And so it's okay. It's okay. I signed up for it. I know, (sighs) but I just—I'm a night owl, you know. And so, but I've done it. I've been every what—six months now. I've been getting up at six o'clock in the morning. Glory to God. I'm still not nice, but I'm getting there. But he just leaves the room, so that just makes it easier. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego understood their assignment. And I think what we are looking for is we want faith like we've seen God do some for somebody else. Your story and your journey are not going to look like anybody else. Your faith walk's not going to look like anybody else. And we see these stories and we go, oh, man, I want this. This is so amazing. Yeah, but do you? Like, let's continue to read the story because I think we think we want things. And then we start to realize what it's going to really take. And then it starts to make us nervous. After they spoke these things, verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar, nope, not verse 24, my bad, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have had no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that you will not serve, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more, that's just a pride thing, Then it was already heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace, I want you to write this down. Your obedience to God cannot be based on the outcome. Their obedience to God did not come because God all of a sudden showed up and said, whoa, who are you, king? You're not doing any things to these guys. Their obedience had nothing to do with the outcome. And so many of us, that's what we want. We, we, are, we, we haven't even been obedient to God in a long time because we're not sure of what the outcome's going to be. God shows up in the Old Testament eight times only. This is the last time that he shows up in person. He's in a burning bush. He's up on the mountain. There's But this is the last time in this story that we see God himself show up. But it was not based on anything but obedience. And it's in our obedience that we begin to see God move in a way we have not seen before. But so many of us are not obedient because we want to be certain of the outcome. What we have to know is this, and I'm going to give you scriptures about what God does for us. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you are living a life outside of faith, it's not even, it is absolutely, if I don't live my marriage out with faith in God, it actually, my marriage doesn't please him. See, I think that we think faith only for the things we're believing for. But I actually have to pastor by faith. I have to mother by faith. Moms out there, hello? Okay, you have to repent daily? Okay, just me? Awesome. So I have to live this out by faith. I have to do my marriage by faith, my relationships by faith. I lead worship by faith. Why? Because I don't want to do anything that doesn't please him. And there is a fragrance that we give off to God when we live a life that's pleasing to him. Isaiah 45.2 says "As I'll go before you, and I'll make the crooked paths straight. Isaiah 52.12 says, for you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you. Deuteronomy 9.3, therefore, understand today that the Lord your God is he who goes before you, are you guys hearing this yet, as a consuming fire, Exodus 14.14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. He goes before you. Now, the Bible's very clear. You don't walk alone. So I'm not saying you're alone, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. If there's a time that God is preparing and going before you, there might be an in-between time where you don't feel like what you are waiting for or wanting is there. And I think that's the stairs for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because when he said, but if he doesn't, let's just... We're human. I think at some point he thought, man, I kind of thought after that, something would happen. <laughs> but they just heated that thing up hotter. <laughs> they got these men carrying him up. Well, this is fun. I thought, anytime now he's going to show up. <laughs> and they just had to keep, and, and, you, and you see that they don't waver. You see that there's not a... The Bible's very clear when people shift And when things happen and when people don't believe It's very, very clear So had that happened, we would have that in the scripture Because the Bible's very detailed But here they are, walking up these stairs Or maybe they're being carried And I can't help but wonder what's going on in their minds Man, he took me serious when I said, but if he doesn't (laughs) Have you ever gotten so on fire and zealous for God You're like, devil, you could throw anything And the next day you're like, I should not have said that Whatsoever. Yes, I have I, I was that person. I go to youth youth events and get all pumped up and be like, I'm gonna get up at 4 a.m. and spend time with the Lord. No, I should not be around anybody at that time unless I've stayed up all night. Then I'm great. I'm hilarious and it's wonderful. But if I fall asleep at all and then wake up, it's bad. And I would get so zealous, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this. And it's like we we can so get to this place that we just man, I want to prove my love for God and all this stuff, and God's just saying, can you just serve me even when it's difficult? Can you just stay trusting me even when you can't trace me? See, so many times if you, if you think about it, connect the dots, you kind of know where it's going. And God's like, man, the way I lead you, you're never going to know. You're not going to always be able to trace me, but I need you to trust me. I need you to lean into me. Trust me in all your ways. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, I will direct your path. We're climbing a mountain on Wednesday for our 15-year anniversary. Who does that? <laughs> we do. <laughs> That's the kind of pastors you have. And uh, a couple years ago, I I climbed Pikes Peak. I have no idea how I made it up. I cried the whole time, and I'm a crier. I'm just letting you know I cry every day. Yep, cried yesterday three times. So I'm just saying I might come off tough up here, but man, I'm as sensitive as they come. Then. And uh, I cried, though. I, I just told him, there's no way I can do this. And I think the tenacity of this man going, I am not, not going to get up this mountain and mark this one off, you know, as much as he was sweet and encouraging me, I knew in the back of his mind, it was like, you will not make me miss this mountain, you know. <laughs> he will pay. If I, you know, he never said it, but, I, you know, you can feel the tension, you know. And uh, we made it up, and this year I decided I needed to prepare. And I think part of the problem is, is we don't prepare ourselves for the fight, we don't prepare ourselves for what might be coming. And I'm going to let you know in it on a secret, he's coming. And I'm not talking about Jesus right now. He's coming too. But I'm telling you, the enemy's coming. The enemy's not going to relent. If you are doing anything for God whatsoever, he is already devising a plan of how to get you off, how to get you messed up, how to get into your head, how to, how to, how to get to speak to your insecurities, to your pains, to your fears, to your anxiety. He's already looking. So spoiler alert, he is not going to relent. The enemy is relentless. The enemy is faithful. The enemy is faithful to try to get you off course. So this year I decided I'm going to train for this. I'm a, so, so in a year I lost 20 pounds so that I can be 20 pounds lighter walking up this mountain. And I was like, yes. And I, I gave it all I got. I, count, I Listen, listen, I hate counting macros. If you don't know what that is, don't even worry about it. But it's awful. you gotta, you got to take pictures of everything. And I said, I'm doing this for four months. And then it turned into six months. And then, it, and then I did it for a year. And then, and then now it's kind of easy. And sometimes it annoys me, but it just is what it is. Because I was like, i got to do this the way that my body responds to these things. But I wanted to prepare for this mountain so I could enjoy talking to him while we were walking up the mountain. <laughs> there wasn't any talking. He was way up there. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I like pull, I told him, I said, I pulled my groin, and he's like, you don't have, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know, it's something here, and I just can't. And I remember it was so dramatic, and I, I don't have a lot of dramatic moments, but, and I remember I was like, I have to spiritualize this somehow, and there was a, like the tiniest little rock, and I picked it up, I was like, the pebble of a mustard seed <laughs> will give you faith to move a mountain. Surely it can help me climb the mountain. And I put it in my pocket, and I squeezed it hard as I could, and I just kept walking. And I made it up. So, and I still have that little pebble. Because I was like, God, you're going to have to spiritualize this for me or I'm not getting up. Because unless I can make this spiritual, it's not happening. I will fight. I'm not fighting for him, but I'll fight for you. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I was at. I was like, this is stupid. I can't believe it. I signed up for this. I didn't move for the rest of the night. He couldn't even get me to go to dinner with him. I said, I, said, I physically cannot move. I said, you've done something to my body. I don't know what. I don't know if I'll ever be the same. So I'll let you guys know on Wednesday how it goes. (laughs) But I'm excited. But this year, I decided to prepare. And I feel like if we would go into some of these fights against the enemy prepared, man, what could God do? What glory could be manifested if we fought the way that God has for us to fight? All right, so I want to read a little bit more of this story because we got to get to the good part, right. No? Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to. So, <laughs> because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is where I think they went, oh, maybe something is happening. Because we fine and they burn, so uh, maybe this is all right, maybe, I don't know. I think they were looking at each other like, okay, this might, this might be good, you know. So they're getting excited. And uh, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace, because now he's had... Now he's had an understanding. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire and all these other things. And the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire, I'm not trying, had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. That in itself is a miracle. You ever sat by a bonfire? You, you have to take like two showers to get that out. So this, that in itself is like God just show, God has a sense of humor, and y'all need to find it because it's great. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own God. Now they're being praised for what before in his mind was defiant. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. He took it up a notch. No longer are we burning people. We are ripping you apart. <laughs> Y'all are missing out in a word. I'm just saying, I read this stuff and I'm like, mm. <laughs> Jesus, you're so funny. And their house is laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in this in Babylon. I'm telling you what, when we look at this story and we begin to see what God is doing and we begin to understand that so many of the things that we walk through have nothing to do with us, had God rescued them earlier on, the sign of what needed to be done, the glory that needed to be brought to God would not have been there. I don't know what you've walked through. I don't know what you have prayed through. But I would challenge you that maybe it had little to do with you and a lot more to do with God. Maybe it had way little to do with what you were facing and more about the glory that God was going to be given through what you went through. We work for him. He doesn't work for us. But we want to play this thing that when we see something happens like that for somebody else, we want to go and get it. I'm not up here saying I didn't deal with this. I, would, I, I have screamed at God and said, this is not fair. This should not be happening to me. Do you know that I do this and this and this and this and this? And I have lived this and this and this and this. God, I think God was just like, oh, here she goes again. Oh, she's giving me all her accolades and all the things she's done for me as if I didn't create her to do these things anyways. Like, God, I could have done, no, yes, I could have done something different, but I was born for his glory, and I'm not only born for his glory in the good moments, I'm born for his glories in the dark moments, in the moments where I'm walking upstairs and it doesn't seem very light, it doesn't seem that God is going to do anything or even move on my behalf. And here's what I think, this is just me, I think Jesus was already in there. Because when I just read to you a bunch of scripture that says he goes before you, I think he was waiting. See, I think he was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. When they drop down in here, I'm going to be here, and they're not going to burn. I'm going to be like, what's that? I think he was just ready. Like, y'all got to read the Bible like there's something exciting about it in it. That Jesus and God have a lot of fun going, whoo, we get to show up. Here they go. They got to get there. But then there's moments where it's like, oh, man, if they just knew. Like, I've stood in your victory. I know, just come on. I'm, I'm going to rescue. I'm going to be there. It's not going to come on your timetable. It's not going to look how you want it to look, but I'm going to do it. And I think he was there waiting for him. And when they came down there, there was this moment where it was like, Ah, oh, I see. Man, this is why it had to be now, so that this kingdom, so that there was an understanding of what God was going to do. Because this transformed an entire kingdom, an entire king, who once said, you're going to worship this God, and at the end of this goes, this is the God of the Most High. And if anybody comes against him, I'm ripping every one of your limbs off. I mean, you want to talk about a conversion? You want to talk about a miraculous conversion? It happened real quick. Why? Because when people see the power of who God is, something clicks. We were made to desire a relationship with God. And so when all of a sudden there's this connection point of he is powerful, he is all things. So this is what I propose to you as I close. That you decide he will get glory out of me. Whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going through. I remember getting to a place, and it was literally, I think, six months before I got pregnant with Jaylee. And I said, okay. I said, God, if I never have children, I will not change how I serve you. And I said, even though I have a desire to be a mom, maybe it is I'm going to be a spiritual mom for the rest of my life. Because I, I, listen, you know how many of our youth kids, are? they're not youth kids anymore, but are still here? Because why? Because I fell in love with what God had called us to do in loving these people and pouring into their lives and seeing them and the legacy that they will build. And I said, God, if all I'm going to do is spiritually mother for the rest of my life, then give me as many as I can have. And that's what I prayed for. Because that was my, but even if he doesn't. That was my moment to say, God, even if you don't, I am not going to stop serving you. I'm not going to relent on this because he will get glory out of me. I went and met with Dr. Gary, who my husband's been meeting with for six years, because I was like, maybe I need some help too. Because you're getting real good and I'm still being, so maybe maybe it's me. Um, and so i got some anger issues, so I'm just, you know. Be transparent, you know, so I'm working on them. And I was kind of going through things that I had faced in life and everything that I was, I've gone through. And, you know, I'm crying because I told you this is what I do. And uh, he goes, man, he trusts you. I said, who? Like, I mean, he was, I didn't even get it. And he said, God, he must really trust you that he could walk you through all those things and still trust you to carry what you're carrying. And for some reason for me, I had looked at it as, oh man, I must have made stupid decisions or done this. And yes, I've had stupid decisions along the way, but I never looked at it as as in, God trusts me to have to walk through all these things to make me who I am today. That the betrayal and the hurts and the pains and the fears and insecurities and things that I still deal with, God trusts me that I'm becoming who he's called me to become. I am what I am now, but I'm becoming who he's called me to become. And he'll correct you. I said, I want to be better. He said, no, you want to be healthier. You, you want to become the thing that God, because you're spirit first. You want to become that. And, and, and I want to encourage you today that I don't know what you're facing, what you're walking through, but I want it to be a declaration that we declare that glory is going to come out of me. That whatever the pressing is, whatever it is, because I can worship from a place knowing and making Jesus bigger than what's happened to me. Listen, I love to preach, but I'm a worshiper. And so I've got seven minutes and 40 seconds left and we're gonna worship God because I wanna leave this place declaring that he's worthy of it all, declaring that he's gonna get the glory out of every situation I'm walking through now that I have walked through. Maybe there's situations you've walked through that you've looked like have been unfair and God wants to show you where he was in it. And I just want us to all stand in this place and allow God just to move and just give him a moment, give him a moment to minister to us. Give him a moment to say, God, actually you are worthy of it all. You weren't just worthy of it all when it went good. You're not just worthy of it all when it's okay. You're worthy of all of it. Everything I've been through, everything I've faced, everything I've had to contend for, everything I've had to fight for, you have been worthy in every moment of it. Because sometimes we can get weary. That's why the Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing. Man, I don't want God to go, when I get to heaven, you nailed it, good job, you know. Man, well, time, you could, you were faithful. You stayed faithful to me even when it didn't look easy. You stayed faithful to me even when it was difficult. When things didn't happen the way you prayed, you still said, but even if he doesn't, know this. And we've got to start living like that, church. Even if it doesn't pan out the way I want to, know this. I will not bow. I will not relent. I will not give up.